My name is Pastor Mike Landsman, and this is the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ. This podcast is taken from my weekly Sunday morning sermons. I pray that as you listen to them, they will be a blessing to you and strengthen you in your walk with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's what we have for today. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. In the reading from the Gospel, according to St. John, from the 13th chapter, the events that took place, St. John notes, happened right before the Feast of Passover had fully come. The Passover is, of course, God's deliverance of his people from the hands of the Egyptians who had enslaved them. And part of the preparation for Passover was the killing and eating of a lamb along with the making of unleavened bread. We'll talk a little bit more about eating in a few moments. I'm going to talk this evening briefly on the sermon title, um, Service and Sacraments. At the beginning here of the reading, St. John says Jesus knew his hour had come. So everything that he had been working for up until this point is about to be completed. All of his teaching, all of his miracles, all of the work he's done in training his disciples has all led to this point. Reading this passage, you can almost sense the tension that must have been in the room, but we can only speculate. It also says that Jesus loved his own who were in the world and, and, and that he loved them to the end. St. John Chrysostom commenting on this, he says that this means that Jesus left nothing undone that one who greatly loved should do. He reserved this for the end so that their love might be increased by it and to prepare them by this consolation for the terrible things that were coming. It's remarkable to me to see that even though Jesus knows what is about to occur, the tortures he's about to undergo for our salvation, his concern is for his disciples. And to make the point to them that he's trying, that he's been trying to make to them his entire ministry. Which he will actually teach on at length in the next few chapters in the gospel when he talks about the sending of the spirit. And Jesus does something unexpected to enact what he wants to see in and from them towards one another. Because we have to remember brothers and sisters that the disciples do not always get along. Surprise, surprise. They were constantly fighting and bickering like siblings, wondering whom among them would be the greatest in the kingdom of God. James, <laughs> James and John even had the gall to send their mother to Jesus and say, Lord, when you come into your kingdom, let my one son be on your one hand and your, my other son be on your other hand. And Jesus is like, it's not mine to give. And do you know what you're going to ask, what, what, what that means to ask this of me? Can you drink the cup I'm about to drink? And James and John are like, of course, yeah, 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 absolutely. Like, what could go wrong? And here they are in the upper room. Everything about, in their, in their perspective, about to go dreadfully wrong. And Jesus always has to call them back towards what's important. Denying themselves. Taking up their cross. And following him. Not jockeying for position. But this display he puts on in the upper room that evening is not a display of mighty miraculous power, though that will be on display at the resurrection. Jesus does something completely unexpected that takes them by surprise, that lays out for them an attitude they should have towards one another. 
He takes off his outer garments. He takes some towels, a water basin, and he kneels down and he begins to wash and wipe the disciples' feet. We don't understand what a big deal this would have been for them. Because to wash somebody's feet is a task that would have been done by the lowest servant in the household. So they didn't have nuclear families back then, right? So it was extended family upon extended family. And, and the father in the family, he was, he was the head of the household. And then they had relatives that lived with them and servants that lived with them. And the lowest servant, it was their job to wash the feet of the visitors that would come in. And it's not like today. You couldn't walk on a nice road from here all the way down to Northampton. Dusty, dirty roads. And the Romans had some other roads that were in a lot better shape. But they also were wearing open-toed shoes. Jesus takes off his outer garments and he begins to wash their feet. This is a menial task performed by servants whose job it is to perform menial tasks. But Jesus takes it upon himself to perform the lowliest task performed by the lowliest servant. When we hear St. Paul's words to the Philippians, I think we heard it read on Sunday, let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus, who though in form of God did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself and took on the form of a servant. He doesn't just take on the form of a servant in his incarnation, in his taking his divine nature and joining it to human nature. Being born, he demonstrates this attitude of a servant amongst his disciples and what he does for them. Indeed, Jesus would say in, a, in another place that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And after he's finished, he asks them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord and you are right, for so I am. If I... Your Lord and teacher have washed your feet. You also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. He's giving them a master class in humility. He's giving them a master class in esteeming the other higher than themselves. He's giving them a master class in how they are to relate to one another from this time forward with humility. There's more to it than that, though. And, and, and this is usually the case with the events in Scripture. And even though this is primarily about humility and the love they are to show to one another as Jesus' disciples, because they're going to need that unity once he's taken away from them upon his ascension, Jesus says in, in Luke 10, 19-20, Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. The context for that is after he has sent them out two by two to go preach the gospel of the kingdom, and he gives them power and authority to work miracles, to heal the sick, to cast out the demons. And they come back rejoicing, even the spirits are subject to us. And Jesus says, do not rejoice that the evil spirits are subject to you, Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. He's bringing them down 
not in a, a, in a wicked way or, or a, an evil way. He's bringing them back down to what matters. Not that they have authority and power over the prince of the power of the air. But what matters is that they're bound for heaven. And, the, and, and him washing their feet could also be seen as a baptism of their feet. As a symbol of this ongoing power and authority given to them, exercised in and through humility. Because Jesus said, right, don't just rejoice in that power for its own sake. But in another place he says that your names are written in the book of life. Jesus is pointing towards what he wants them to do. That his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. As the prophet Isaiah says, Blessed are the feet of them that bring good news. And Jesus is blessing their feet to be the agents of his gospel. The announcement of his coming defeats of the devil, of sin, of death, of the evil spiritual forces that hold mankind enslaved. But it will be done. Even this act of mighty victory will be done in humility and through a way that on the surface looks like a great defeat. Closely related to what Jesus does with the disciples and washing their feet is the institution of Holy Communion, which the church is also called the Eucharist. Eucharist is a term which, in Greek which means to give thanks. And that's what Christian worship is. It's us giving thanks to God for what he has done for us and through his son, Jesus Christ. It is us offering up to God, as the scriptures tell us, our sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving, which is why it is so central to Christian worship and the central act of Christian worship. The central act. The other day, a minister friend of mine, he posted on his social media page about um, modern churches have replaced the altar with the stage. They replaced the altar and the chancel with a stage. And I thought what he wrote was a good reflection and I commented on his post saying that, that the stage replacing the altar is man's transformation of what was once the location of God's action upon physical materiality, right? Bread and wine, real physical matter as his means of grace given to us. And that transformation in, from that into music and preaching pattern on secular methodology is a, a means of emotional experience and communicating information. But does anything in the upper room narrative that we just heard read this evening sound like Jesus is just merely trying to convey information? Or to facilitate the disciples having an experience where they felt like they might, might have sensed the presence of God? No. No. In Holy Communion, we see the body of Christ broken just as his body was broken on the cross. In communion, when we receive of the wine, we see his blood just as his blood poured forth from his wounds on the cross. For St. Peter, quoting the prophet Isaiah, reminds us, For it is by his wounds that we are healed. And 
we gather around the altar and the table of the Lord where he is the one offered and the one who offers himself. He invites us to come and feast because he said, my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. And therefore, after our feet are washed this evening, we will approach and eat and be filled. And may that strengthen us through the rest of Holy Week as we walked with our Lord to the cross on Good Friday, take part in the vigil at the sunrise service, and then rejoice fully in his resurrection at our Sunday morning service. The St. Cyril of Alexandria once wrote, Proclaiming the death according to the flesh of the only begotten Son of God, that is of Jesus Christ, and confessing his resurrection from the dead and his ascension into heaven, we celebrate the unbloody sacrifice in the churches. And we thus approach the spiritual blessings and are made holy, becoming partakers of the holy flesh and of the precious blood of Christ, the Savior of all. And as we receive this evening, let us, let us approach in humility but also with joy and also with sadness for about what we're going to walk through our Lord with in this coming week. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you have a few minutes, I'd ask you to go to gofundme.com slash Zion's Stone Church Repair Fund. We have some significant repair work that we need to do on our bell tower, as well as some repair work due to a recent lightning strike. Anything you'd be able to help us out with, we would greatly appreciate it. If you'd like to get a hold of me, or you have any questions about what you've heard, feel free to reach out at our Facebook page, Zionstone UCC, or you can check us out on our website, ZionstoneUCC.com. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you. Thank you.